We all get stressed about things, especially things that are last minute or just around the corner from happening. One great way to deal with stress is to be prepared for whatever it is you're about to do. But not all preparation is created equal. Let's discuss. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Drum Mantra Podcast, Episode 70. Well, just as every week, this week was crazy. And when I say crazy, it was even crazy for me, like amidst the breakneck tempo of each activity that I was involved in, um, I, I had to really slow down and be reminded by my wife to just take a breath or move a little slower or drink my juice. <laughs> Drinking my juice, that's a morning ritual of a, um, a blended juice that she makes, which is usually beet, spinach, celery, some kind of berry, lemon, maybe a banana, and if I'm lucky, avocado. You always know there's an avocado in your smoothie because it makes the smoothie really thick and creamy like a milkshake. Um, anyway, those things probably are a huge reason that I can get through my day. Uh, I start my day with that every day, with topped with a little bit of grated cinnamon and uh, bee pollen, which is also something I would never th have thought of. If you don't have a, a yogi in your life, you probably don't know about eating bee pollen <laughs> or grated cinnamon or beets for that matter. But um, anyway, I'm lucky to have someone in my life that kind of helps me maintain energy and focus during crazy weeks, which I'm going to tell you a little bit about. Um, so let's see here. I'm right now, which it's, it's such an interesting life as a professional musician, because there are different opportunities that come up all the time. And if you're prepared to handle them, you can work all the time. And when I say prepared to handle them, when you hear what I did last week, it seems pretty insane. At least it seems insane to me because it is not, a lot of these things aren't completely in my wheelhouse, but I, I guess I've done things like this enough that I can, I guess I can fake my way through it. I always feel like I'm faking my way through something, <laughs> even, even though I've been doing it my whole life. And, and I, it's probably just nervous energy that tells me, you're not going to be able to do this. And then in the course of the activity, it's always fine. But uh, this past, the past two weeks, I've been subbing in the role of director of the band, a band director, basically, of an elementary school music program called El Sistema, which is put on by a nonprofit organization in Chicago called Ravinia. And I do do some artists in residence outreach for Ravinia, but that's a totally different program. So that's when I, I will go into an elementary school and usually the kids will read a book and then we will find songs or write songs about the book. And I'll visit the kids five times over the course of about 
two months, and then we will rehearse those five times and then do a concert. So it's kind of in and out, quick, five weeks in and out. But I'm doing that at two different schools, so right now I'm going to each of those schools for a full day, um, Tuesdays and Fridays. But then I got called to sub this El Sistema Orchestra director position, which is glorified way of saying kind of babysitting kids with instruments, really, because they're brand new at it. And it's all about kind of getting them used to playing instruments and, you know, how to read rhythms and playing a few notes on their instruments and learning what it's like to not play when a conductor's hands are up and finish playing when, you know, not to make any sound when the little passage is over and little simple concepts like that. But it's every day and it's pretty grueling. It's in the evening and I've been, I've been doing that for the last two weeks on top of my artist in residence stuff. And so I'm suddenly have all this like serious kid energy going on in my life with music, which is great. I mean, it's really cool to be first contact for music for these kids and to know that, um, you know, they may, they may go on to become professional musicians. So it's, it's fun to, to be the person that's there to, give them their first contact into music and, and into playing an instrument and what it means to have discipline to practice and how hard it is to actually learn how to play an instrument. So that's that's been very rewarding but exhausting. And amidst all of that, um, I got a call probably, I guess about a week ago, um, a jingle producer in town who's a good friend of mine called very last minute said can you do you have time for me to run over and do some recording for a for a jingle spot i said sure so he uh he sent me a a a pdf of a chart and this was for a this was for a 60 second spot um for a for a television commercial usually we do 30 second spots 60 second spot is fine i mean yes it's only 30 seconds longer but it requires a perfect performance for 30 seconds longer, <laughs> um, which isn't too bad. But, you know, there's always that question of like playing every note. Because when you're doing a jingle, it has to be done quick and it has to be perfect right away. Um, so there's always a little bit of fun pressure and stress there. So he sends me the PDF of the chart and the chart, I actually have it right here. The chart is in the first three measures in 4-4, and then two measures of three, with a figure in the second measure of three, two measures of four, and then two measures of three, with a rhythmic figure in the second measure of three, and then a three-bar phrase of four, with the third bar having a rhythmic figure in it that has to be played. That repeats. And then two bars of 4-4 as a unison kind of build, and then one bar of three, and then another four-bar phrase, but the first two bars are in 4-4, four, four, the second bar is in 3-4, and the, uh, the first two bars are in 4-4, four, four, the third bar is in 3-4, the fourth bar is in 2-4, which is a written-out fill. Those four bars repeat. Then it's four bars of time, and the fourth bar is a unison figure. And then it's three bars of fill, and then one bar of time, 
and then a downbeat. So it's like, okay, there's something going on in this chart that's not just like, it's not just your basic, you know, rock beat in 4-4 four, four time. It changes a lot. And the reason it changes time signatures is because it has to match up with video cues. So a lot of times, and I, I've talked about this a lot, and it's so funny. I think I talked about it in the podcast the week prior to getting the call to do this. I was talking about how, you know, uh, jingles are timed and the musician, the composer has to, to tweak the time signatures usually to fit video cues and changes. And here's a great example of it. There's hardly any measures that are the same. You're going back and forth between, you know, it's not as, it's not as crazy as like having a bar of, of like seven, eight or three, eight or three sixteen or something that really turns the time around. Um, it stays pretty much based on a quarter note figure, just different durations of measure. Um, but he shows up, and I print the chart out, and I don't, I've never even seen the chart until he is at my studio. And we print it out. I set the tempo. I turn the metronome on, realize I need to just turn it into the click needs to be in 1-4 instead of 4-4 four, four because the, the click, the downbeat would be different in different places. So we just made it in 1-4, so just one quarter note per, you know, one loud quarter note over and over again. I sight read through it by tapping on my lap, and I set up the drums and did four takes, and all four takes were pretty good. Uh, we made little tweaks, so I did the whole piece, and then we talk about you know maybe do this a little bit more. Did another take, do this a little more. So I did four takes, and then I set up a second drum set and did four more takes that were going to be doubled. So it was going to be one drum set on one side and one drum set on the other. So I was basically playing um, double drums with myself. And um, so I played along to each take that I had previously recorded. And a couple times he wanted me to play exactly unison as much as possible with the take. And then the final one is to kind of go a little crazy and be a little more free. And then after four takes of that, I knew that I needed some instrument to glue everything together. So I, I, uh, I chose a, a Sabian kind of crasher effect symbol and just kind of did like a galloping rhythm on that that sort of, to me, tied the two things together and uh, did that, recorded that, rendered and, and exported the audio and one hour after he arrived we were done and he was gone so it was a very very quick turnaround and that's kind of how it is in the jingle world where it's like we need this jingle right now and boom you've got to be ready and you have to be ready to do it and i actually filmed the whole process and i'll probably make a video about it at some point about just you know reading a chart that's designed for jingle work and discuss in detail, but it's kind of hard to, to talk about certain things when you need to be able to see something. So um, you're just hearing me talk about this on the podcast, but I probably will do a video. And that reminds me that I have been, there have been some requests lately for me to talk about reading a chart and also transcribing like a song into a chart. Like what is my process and how do I write things out 
quickly so I'm ready to play a gig quickly. And it's funny because right on the heels of all this, uh, I got a call on Thursday this week from uh, a drummer in town who wanted me to see if I could sub for him on Saturday. So it's like two days later, can you cover me in an original band playing 19 songs? But the original band was playing a bunch of, uh, they're playing about 70% covers that night because it was a, it was a big, um, it was called the goddesses of rock. And we were playing a bunch of, of, uh, big time rock singer songs like Fleetwood Mac and Hart and Brandy Carlisle and all these artists. So the pretenders and who else, ben, Pat Benatar were doing all these really cool chick rock singer things. And, uh, the band was the Kathy Richardson band and Kathy is the singer for Jefferson Starship. Um, when Grace Slick retired, she chose Kathy to replace her. And Kathy's been singing with Jefferson Starship for about, uh, about maybe a little more than 10 years, maybe 12 years. And, um, and I played in her band from about 2004 till about 2010. So I know her original music. I haven't played it in a long time because after I finished, then uh, a drummer named Steve Gillis, who you may you may know that name, uh, Steve Gillis. He was the drummer for a band called Filter, which was a pretty big um, Chicago-based rock band in the, I guess, in the 90s and 2000s. Anyway, so when I left Kathy's band... Steve became the drummer and that kind of happens a lot. Like, you know, you just, you, you get busy and you move and someone else takes over the chair. And then I'm always kind of available or I'm always the person that if they need a sub, then I'll be the person that fills in. So I've filled in a few times over the years. Um, but so I get the call on Thursday and I am super slammed with this orchestra thing and this other teaching thing and I have very little time to prepare and so I went into very quick transcription mode and Steve sent me his charts um, but you know it's it's you gotta to me I really like looking at my own handwriting so I took Steve charts I listened to the songs and I made my own charts based on his charts and what I was hearing so I was able to I think I was able to transcribe the 19 songs in about, I don't know, probably two hours over the course of two days. I just didn't have time. I spent, you know, 45 minutes here and 45 minutes there. And then, um, the day of the, of the gig. So I had been slammed with work this entire time. And the day of the gig, I was at, uh, Elk Grove high school, the Elk Grove high school day of percussion, all morning with um, drum mantra. So I was doing like mini workshop clinics with the students on the drum mantra stuff. I was out there from like nine to nine to two and I couldn't fit all my drums in the car and all the drum mantra stuff. So I had to race home, which was about an hour drive. And then I had to drive another hour to get to the sound check and load in, which was at four thirty. So I literally was like just racing you know, wake up early Saturday morning, race to this high school, do clinics all day long, talking and and being engaged with kids and high school kids. And and uh, as soon as that's done, packing up, racing home, unloading everything in the car, loading up a drum set, 
grabbing a change of clothes and running right back out the door to a 4.30 sound check that ended at 7, doors at 8, opening band at 8.30, we go on at 9.30, and so, like, there was no more time to listen to the music. I listened to the music a little bit while I was driving, just the songs I was unfamiliar with, but here we are. I mean, it's showtime, and we literally did not rehearse. We probably ran pieces of about three songs but that was primarily for the sound man and then and then that was it and then once you're at a venue it's kind of hard to find a quiet place and you know do anything so i just trusted that my charts were good and oh yeah and as and i found out as we were there that i'm the one responsible for counting in all the songs and there's a drum machine that kathy uses that she has tracks and loops in so i also had to learn a new piece of gear and fire tracks with headphones that the headphones did not even arrive until we were walking on stage. So I had never actually heard what the tracks sound like in my headphones until I was firing the tracks. I did have to um, program my Polynome app. I had to I had to create an entire set list with every tempo because I was counting the songs off. So there was a lot. A lot going on. I was counting songs off. I was counting a band off that I don't play with the entire night, firing their tracks and having to. It was a sold out show. It was like, it was like, it was packed. It was standing from front of the room to the back of the room, hundreds and hundreds of people. And it's a rock show and we had to rock. So it was, it was intense. But uh, it actually went off without a hitch and at the end of the night of course we're exhausted drive home get home about 1 a.m daylight saving so we lose an hour of sleep and i have to drive an hour the next morning to be prepared to clinic a middle school jazz band on sunday an hour yeah an hour away so it's like i woke up i'm i'm like barely awake grab something to eat real quick, jump in the car, drive an hour, get to this place and do a, a clinic, a middle school jazz band for about 90 minutes. And then when that ended, I had a call <laughs> with the drum mantra people, uh, a video conference call that, that I do once a month. And so that's at four. I'm done. I finished this clinic at three and I'm racing home, get home, all kinds of crazy stuff's happening. I can't get, I, I, I can't, uh, get online at my studio. So I go to a coffee shop and I've got everyone online and all of a sudden the battery on my laptop's about to die. And I look and I don't have my cable. It was just like, Oh my gosh, it, it, I, I could barely hold it together. It was a long week. I'm, we're talking like, gosh, it was probably a 60-hour week of music. And in a way, I'm like, I, I, I'm trying not to take it for granted. I'm trying to, to stay in that mode of like appreciating the fact that, oh my gosh, everything I'm doing, yes, it's insanely busy, but it's all music. It's everything. It's what I want to be doing. It's It's music. It's music. But it's hard. I mean, it's still physically taxing and the amount of hours that 
are required to drive, and then the teaching is fully engaged. And then the the gigs this week were super high level and high profile and high high stress. Um, and now here we are, Monday. I just taught the uh, orchestra thing again. And I'm fairly calm, but things are not slowing down. And if you listen to this podcast, I usually start it by saying, things have been crazy this week. Well, this this is no different. And it never ends. It's crazy. It just goes, goes, goes. And I think that's a great testament to the fact that it is possible to make a good living being, being uh, engaged in musical activities, um, especially if you're in a city that... that supports it if you're in a large city and it might even be possible in a small city and i'm going to go really deep into talking about this kind of stuff in upcoming episodes and also um, we're beginning kind of a, a series with the members of drummantra.com about the music business and networking and um, just all the things that are possible these days and things that you can put into play to create a, a sustainable career as a musician. So I'm looking forward to, to starting to develop that. And that reminds me, if you are interested, I have a master class that is brand new. It's called uh, Five Exercises Guaranteed to Make You a Better Drummer. And it is five different exercises that you will play along with in the video, in the master class video. Um, we cover timing, as a warm-up, we cover reading, groove, phrasing, and coordination, and it's just it's just exercises, and they're 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 it's just a handful of five five exercises that come from the exercises in the lesson vault at drummantra.com. Um, so I just pulled some exercises that I know are super effective and a lot of fun to work on, and I invite you to check that out. It's free. You go to drummantra.com and there's a button that says Masterclass. You click on that and it just uh, you put your name and your email in and I send you the link to the video and you're off to the races. And the thing is, you've got to do the exercises. You've got to actually play if you want, if you want to have the effect that the exercises are intended to give you. Timing, reading, grooving, phrasing, and coordination. And when you do these exercises with really uh, good intention and focus, it definitely will improve your playing. And a lot of a lot of you know pro drummers who are playing gigs will use some of these exercises as their warm ups before they go on stage. And they always you know I get phone calls and they're like, man, I I did I did the exercises or I did that exercise before I went on and it was slamming. The time felt great. I was so comfortable and so. I like these exercises. They seem to really be working for everybody, and I'd love to invite you to check them out as well. So uh, drummantra.com, look for the button that says Masterclass. Click on it and come on in and check it out. Um, and I think that a lot of these these exercises that I've created and that I've been practicing have really made it possible for me to be able to have the kind of weeks that I have without... I mean, the stress. The, the main part of my stress in this these situations is stressing about logistics. Like, am I going to be able to make it from one thing to the next in time? Am I going to be? When am I going to eat? 
Am I going to have enough energy to make it through this entire day with these three different activities? Those are the kinds of things that that's, are more stressful than, am I going to be able to play these songs? Like, that is the least of my worries. Am I going to be able to keep the band together? Am I going to be able to play with good time? Am I going to have a great groove? Am I going to be able to read these charts? <clears throat> those are things that, I, that are, th- those are the last things that I think about. And it's because I've trained myself to be able to do those things. Those are the aspects of drumming that you have control over. You have control over working on your time, working on your reading, working on your grooving, working on your phrasing, working on your coordination. You have control over that. All you have to do is have the exercises and sit down and work on them. And the more you work on them, the better your playing is going to get. The The thing that's harder to have control over is stress, like how am I going to get there on time? Is this, you know, blah, 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 all those things. And that that's a whole other category of of, uh, of mental challenge. And it, it's all mental, by the way. All these things that we stress about are always our projections of what might be. And I tell you, we're all great at it, at creating stress through our fear of the unknown of the future. And I am, I feel like I'm the master of it. I am so good about freaking myself out about things because I, I want things to be great. I want things to be perfect. And I, I stress out because I project out so much. I'm really trying to catch myself. It's a lifelong practice. I mean, I've been doing this for three decades and I feel like I'm just learning how to handle and maintain the mental clarity required to like get through an intense week of multiple activities that are all related to music. And really just to talk about career for a second, it's not easy to to have a, a career in anything where you are your own boss. It's uh, an entrepreneurial venture to be a musician because you are you are your product and you are trying to drum up business and trying to get gigs and trying to network and all these things are just like having a having a real business and to to be able to have all the guesswork out of it, which is the practice, the the ability to play well, be able to play at a high level, that stuff is kind of the given. And then the stuff that that you have to train yourself on beyond playing is all the professional skills that allow you to do all kinds of different things. Because making a living by just doing one thing in music first of all, is not that easy. It's very rare that you play one gig and that's, and that's your living. And if you truly love music and if you're truly passionate about being a musician, one gig is not going to satisfy you. As soon as you're off the road with some act, if you really love music, you're, you're back home playing church gigs and playing local gigs and teaching and everything. And then when it's time to go on tour, you go on tour. But you never just do one thing in music. So why not prepare yourself to be able to do anything that comes along? Being able to play drums and percussion, that opens up two doors for you. Being able to read makes you more valuable. Being able to play different styles. Everything that you can add to your playing skills will make you more hireable 
which is very important if you want to make a living doing this. So um, that's just a little bit of reflection on my experience. And the, the thing that I'm, that I'm now trying to figure out is because you do so many different things, potentially as a professional musician, you have to change your hat over and over and over again. I mean, going from, going from directing a, an elementary school orchestra to talking at a advanced level to to band directors and high school and college level students about something specific and then going and talking to a middle school and then getting called to play with you know a Grammy nominated artist with with 48 hours notice I mean that's a, or, or and then getting to getting called to play a, a, a jingle that's you have no idea about until it's in front of you. I mean, those things, that's just my last, that's the last eight days of my life. And that's how it's been literally for several decades. Those things can become very stressful because they're so different and you have to change gears so much. And and all, all this stuff isn't even to mention all the things I do with drum mantra, with the creation of the exercises and the communication with the members and the posting on all the medias and YouTube and everything, making this podcast. I mean, that's a whole, that's like a career in itself, but that's just one little drop in the bucket of the things that I do as a professional musician and to remain calm and to remain healthy and to remain energized and remain enthusiastic those qualities are things that are a little bit less tangible when you think about them. When, when you're in the heat of the moment and you're, you're wrapped up into some kind of emotional stress because you're trying to switch gears and you're worried about little things, it's hard to recognize that these are mental things that are not necessary. These are things that can be fixed in the mind if we learn how to think correctly. And so it's so huge for me right now, and it has been for a couple of years, to really understand my own personal mental process of dealing with stress and dealing with shifting gears a lot and having no idea what's around the corner, but still being ready for it and trying to maintain the right mental energy to also be cool, you know, and and uh, and that's a that's a big challenge. A lot of peace of mind comes when I spend more time doing yoga, and I I I oscillate between one time a week, and sometimes I can go four times a week. It's very difficult for me to get to a class. Sometimes it's because of my schedule. Sometimes it's because I feel very tired and I think I should rest instead of take the class or sometimes I'm staring at my computer and I'm just like, I need to get this done. But every time I go and take a yoga class, it allows me to try to be present in that class and it can eliminate the stress from the rest of my day because I'm trying and I'm trying, this is conscious effort to focus on what is happening in the moment of that class. 
because that's part of the training of yoga is being present, focusing on your breath, focusing on the movement, focusing on the feeling of your body, focusing on the ability to relax things further than you realize they need to be relaxed. Sometimes you can sit and it's like, okay, relax your arm and you relax your arm and then you think again, relax your arm and you notice, oh, there's more relaxation I can give to my arm or anything else in your body. You can continue to let go more as you concentrate and focus on it. And you can only focus on what's going on in the body in the actual moment that you're in. You can't focus on your body an hour from now. And it doesn't make any sense to focus on how your body felt a week ago. You can't be like, okay, I'm going to relax my back um, from a week ago. It's now. It's right now. So so that that training, that's that's the that's the biggest part of yoga. It's not it's not, I mean, yes, a lot of benefits come from doing that or, you know, even a different exercise in a way, but yoga really Right now, in my mind, yoga really is at the top of kind of this body movement activity because it's about becoming more centered and focused and peaceful and aware and present, whereas other things tend to, you kind of tend to skew your focus and it's become like a physical activity might become about building mass or getting stronger or more flexible or any of these things. But yoga is very, it's a very internal kind of mental, spiritual thing. Um, So one of the biggest benefits of going to a yoga class for me is spending an hour really trying to be intent on focusing on the exact moment that you're in. And then I try to carry that into Performance, And when I'm in performance mode, that's how it is as well. Anytime you're engaged fully in the, the activity you're doing, you're pretty, you're present. Like when I'm, when I'm teaching, when I'm speaking, I'm, I'm, I'm in the moment. I'm, I'm, you're kind of riding that wave of like, you know, you have an intention to say something and that's what's coming out. Um, when you practice, sometimes it's pretty you're, you're pretty aligned with staying present in the practice session. And that's what drum mantra is all about. That is what drum mantra is all about. Learning how to focus on the present moment. The, every single exercise in drum mantra is like, if you check out mentally, you will, the, the exercise will fall apart. You have to get engaged in these exercises so much. And then you just roll in it and you stay in it and you stay in it and you stay in it. And then all these mental aspects start to happen with your concentration and your relaxation and your breath and your movement and your coordination. All these things start to build. That's what drum mantra is all about. So, okay, so we look at our day and we go, okay, when I'm practicing, I'm present. When I'm performing, I'm present. When I'm doing yoga, I'm present. When else am I present? Oh, not much. Now, there's an opportunity to be present in every moment. And then every moment becomes practice. Everything is everything. Going to the grocery store and picking out an avocado. You can just go grab an avocado, feel it. If it's soft, it feels right, looks the right color, and you know you're going to eat it that day. You throw it in the basket move on, grab some bananas, go grab some spinach, you know, maybe go 
get a thing of almond milk or oat milk or something and you're out. Maybe you're on the phone, maybe you're listening to the music that's in the store. But to really go in and be present, you walk into the store, you you consciously notice the temperature of the store, you look at the avocado, you feel the avocado, you feel the texture, you really engage with that feeling and you you're trying to stay as present as possible. And the only way to stay present is to use your senses, your smell, your sight, your feeling, your taste. Those are your senses. Those only work in the present moment. You can't smell the future. <laughs> you can't you can't you can't literally see the past. You can imagine the past. You can imagine the future, but that's your mind. That's not your physical um senses so anytime that you can remember to engage in being present through your physical senses that is practice that is training you to be a more focused ready calm and and present individual when you're present you're ready to you're ready to act you have less stress and you realize that things aren't as things aren't as scary important vital i mean things are things are important but it's not like this you know we stress out about things and then we do them and then we're like oh that wasn't so bad well why do we have to go through the stress if the end result is always oh that wasn't so bad or that wasn't as bad as i thought it was going to be i mean we all say that all the time you're like oh my god oh god two days of just like oh man i can't I'm so freaked out about this thing that's coming up. And then here's the big moment. It's the big thing. And you do the big thing and it's over and you go, oh, that wasn't bad. That was actually fun. Or, you know, so why do we have that stress? And we justify it as like, well, I'm concerned. I want to do a good job. Of course you do. But that is veiled. That is a veiled excuse for going playing this thing over and over in your mind that's not true the what if game what if this messes up i'm not prepared i mean there were there were moments this week where i'm like second guessing my ability to read a chart and i've been reading music for 30 years or second guessing my ability to count a song off i count every song off that i ever play in bands Anytime I'm in a band, I insist that I count the songs. I mean, why would anyone else count the songs off? I'm the drummer. So, but you know, you go into this thing. Oh, we start playing this poor me game. And if you definitely, you can definitely play the poor me game if you have someone around that's listening to you and you feel like is going to comfort you in some way. You might even stress yourself out even more because now you have someone to, to complain to. It's a crazy mental game and we're all in it. And I am, you know, I'm just, I'm really trying my hardest to, to be someone that understands how to overcome that and to overcome it and to be able to share that philosophy with the world. I'm obviously not making the philosophy up. I mean, it comes from Zen. It comes from, you know, the Zen meditation practices. It comes from any meditation practice that comes from the philosophies of yoga. It comes from all kinds of spiritual practices have to do with being present and, you know, letting go and no judgment and, and all these things that create a peaceful environment 
on the external and on the internal inside yourself, you've got to have a peaceful environment. A great way to have a peaceful environment is to prepare yourself. How do you prepare yourself? You practice. What do you practice? Things that are designed to help you do exactly what it is you're wanting to do. Again, that comes back to drum mantra. Yes, there are lots of ways and lots of things to practice, and I've practiced so many things, and they've all been so helpful to me. And then my contribution with the intention of building something that helps you beyond just playing the drums better is exercises that actually help train your mind. And that is kind of the mission of the drum mantra. And that actually gets me excited to practice, even though I'm exhausted right now. I actually kind of feel like I might might go practice some of my uh, some of my own medicine, some of my own drum mantra exercises. Um, I did demonstrate oceans for the high school kids, and it was freaking them out. It's funny because I think you know the ex- if you haven't heard the exercises, my my exercise lesson called oceans. Go to YouTube Drum Mantra channel and search for Oceans. It's a it's an exercise in seven eight. It goes through all these crazy permutations, um, and you know I practiced it a lot. And, and Mark Walker actually came and and uh, he had practiced it a lot. And we we filmed it together. There's a video of it on his uh, on his interview also on the Drum Mantra YouTube channel. But but the Oceans thing it's like I take it for granted because I can do it and it's. You know, it's in seven, but there's also a dotted eighth note, and the right hand is doing all these crazy things. And so we're at the we're at that clinic thing on um, at the high school the other day, and and my buddy Austin, who was helping me in the in the booth, Austin Koziel, who plays in a band called Sneezy. He's like Austin's this great young drummer. He studies with Pete Magadini, and he's way into the hip hop thing, and he's touring in this band Sneezy. Anyway, when he's around, he helps me in in the drum mantra booth, and he was, he's like, "Hey, Rich, come over here and show these kids uh, oceans." So I sit down and play oceans, and the kids are like standing there, like I just you know made the Eiffel Tower up here, and I take for granted these exercises that that are quite challenging and quite demanding on your on your um, co- coordination and your concentration, and. Uh, when uh, you know when you when you show someone one of these things, their mind is blown on so many different levels. Coordination level wise, usually is the first one, but the deep down essence is I'm never like the gig I played the other night. I'm never gonna play anything like Oceans when I'm playing on a huge you know concert ever. I would never even dream of it. It would never even enter my mind. But because I'm able to play those coordination exercises that are intricate, and I've played them for a long duration of time, which is what the drum mantra is, drum mantra, rhythmic repetition. So you're playing these exercises for a long time. Your body is starting to learn complex coordination moves, which makes your body more balanced. And so when I go and play a pop gig or a rock gig, and I'm laying it down, my body is so comfortable and so well balanced because it understands every inch of motion for each limb. And so these coordination exercises for me are designed to give me a deeper pocket, a deeper sense of connection to the kit, more balance physically, more concentration mentally, and that's and that's 
what it does. And I and it, this is really interesting. I just this just came to me. The the idea, gosh, this is a whole this is a whole other podcast, and I'll just kind of touch on it real quick. But the idea of I always think about you know churches have tithing, and so the idea is people who are a member of a church tithe. And you're supposed to tithe 10% of your income and, you know, without question, because that's where you are, you know, spiritually enriched or whatever. And you, this must be a long podcast because I'm actually having to adjust my seat. Um, You do this tithing and so often you hear these, um, these testimonies of people who say, I was always afraid to tithe. I never thought I could do it. I never thought that I had enough money and I definitely couldn't afford 10% of my income, but I just started to do it and I did it and I did it. And the next thing I know, I have a new job offer and I met the person of my dreams and blah, blah, blah. And so you start to get these testimonies of like, I, I decided to make a sacrifice and without expectation and in that activity came all these amazing gifts and experiences and um, i attribute that to my willingness to trust and tithe and i always look at that model and compare it and place that model onto the idea of practicing is tithing the work that comes to you is the testimony so and i i've experienced this when i am intent and serious and and um, focused on my practice and i'm practicing with no expectation beyond the practice itself and, that, and that's why I create these exercises that feel like you're doing a performance during the practice because when you're practicing, you should be engaged in the art of practice, which means present in the moment of practice. Not practicing because you're trying to achieve something in the future, practicing and staying in the moment and the beauty of the activity as it's happening. That purity of thought and concentration somehow is able to kind of like it's like there's an energy field and 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 when you when you give yourself truly to something with focus and presence and patience and awareness then the things in the world kind of start to align themselves to give you an experience that's relative to the the uh, the honor that you're giving to your practice, all of a sudden the like the universe is honoring you the same way you're honoring your practice. I know that sounds crazy, but man, I've I've just seen it happen. It's happened to me. It's happened to people I know. People that have done the drum mantra stuff have told me I'm practicing this stuff, and I sound better on the gig. And because I sound better on the gig, someone says, "Hey, I want you to play with me," and a whole thing grows and i always think about the 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 richness of of my musical experience in chicago and when i was in texas 
and it seems to be more vibrant and more alive and more I don't want to use the word relentless but just like but there just abundant and 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 present that stuff comes from it's almost like it's directly proportional to my willingness to sacrifice my time and my energy because you have to make the decision to turn Netflix off and go to the practice room. You have to make the decision to not hang out with your friends and go to the practice room. You have to make the decision to not watch the game and go to the practice room and really practice. Not not play a pad while you're watching the game. That is not practice. That is, that's nothing. And so if you think that watching television and doing something with your pad it's really minimal. It's really giving you minimal stuff because you're not thinking about anything. You're kind of watching the show. You're kind of feeling your hands. You're not concentrating on anything. So I'm not going to go down that road right now. But but experiment. I invite you to experiment. In fact, here's a perfect opportunity. If you go to the master class, the drum mantra master class, check it out. And try to try to commit yourself to, to actually practicing the exercises that I put in the master class and, and, and try to practice them every day for two weeks or a month. And not, not like, oh, well, I can already do that one, so I'm not going to do it. Actually sit down and do it. One of the exercises, one of the warm-ups, it's simple in a way. You might say, oh, yeah, that's easy. I can already do that. That's not the point. The point is do it. Do the exercise at the correct tempo, with the correct intention, focusing on your breath, focusing on the motions of your hands, focusing on the volume of the, of the exercise, focusing on the relaxation. When you go into those details, it doesn't matter what level of drummer you are because everyone has to deal with where they are at in their mind. So go to the master, go to drummantra.com, select going to watch, to, to watch the master class, and commit yourself to literally practicing the exercises on a daily basis. It'll take you about 30 minutes a day. Be focused, be genuine, be be completely real about it and and see what happens in your in your world, in your life. It'll be a very interesting experience experiment and if you do it please reach out to me and let me know that you're going to do it and then let me know and then check in. In fact, write me an email. If you think you're going to do this, if you're going to go take the Drum Mantra Masterclass and you're going to actually practice those exercises and you know you're going to commit to it, send me an email at drummantra at gmail.com and say, I am going to commit myself to practicing these exercises in the Masterclass and then I will check in with you in five days, 10 days, and see how it's going and try to keep you accountable and see how that goes because I really do think that it will change the trajectory of your musical career, your musical life, the way you see and think about music. I just think it's a great experiment. There's no there's no, no uh, skin off your back besides putting in some good practice time, which is good anyway. So if you're into that experiment, write me at drummantra at gmail.com. Tell me you're going to do it, and then I will be your accountability partner, 
and we'll see how that goes. Okay, well, that was a lot. That was a lot. I, I feel like um, I feel like some nice things were said. It's been a long day for me, and it starts again quick and early tomorrow. So I'm going to sign off, probably practice maybe something for a second. I'm looking around to find an exercise that I might want to work on. I have nothing set up right now because everything was either for gigs or these clinics. So I'm sitting amongst drum cases and boxes of practice pads and all kinds of stuff. So if I have the energy, I'll pull something out and do a little practice tonight. Hopefully, hopefully that is true. I'm I'm going to I'm going to try my best. Anyway, I hope you have a great week and please get in touch if you're going to do the master class or just do the master class. You don't have to you don't have to write me if you want to remain anonymous. That's totally cool. I would, however, appreciate you going to the iTunes store, leaving a rating. I love to get a, a rating or review. Please share the podcast with people that you think might dig it, and let's keep this going. We're, it's really, the Drum Mantra stuff is growing really well. The, the, the listening on the podcast is, continues to grow, and, and uh, the interest in everything is great. And I just really think we can create a really cool movement of people who are playing from a more a more um, focused space kind of transcending the mindless rock star mentality and getting into a very um, deliberate intentional way of uh, approaching the instrument I just think that that's where we're going in this world and and uh, I'm 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 dedicated to creating exercises that that do that for you and and uh, hope that we can uh, build this new wave of drumming together. Okay, take care, and I will talk to you in a week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Drum Mantra Podcast. Your time and attention is much appreciated. I would love it if you went to the iTunes store and left a rating, and please share this with anybody that you think would like to go deeper with their practice. Take care.